right-handed, but one is on the left. Very dry, very cold, very cold here. I grew up in this area, but uh, uh, I forget how cold it is. So uh, it's a wake-up, um, so and dry. So I'll uh, be drinking uh, lots of uh, water intermittently. I want to thank uh, Jason and Gus. What a privilege and honor it is, and you guys for allowing me to come and share this morning uh, from God's Word uh, and uh, from what He is doing in my part of the world. And uh, what an honor and a privilege it is to represent uh, our, my organization, uh, over 3,600 uh, M's. I normally don't, uh, must be. I normally don't uh, share the word uh, missionary. We don't, especially among uh, our people, it's, um, it's just not a word that we share. Uh, I have some cards in the back table there and, and some other information. I'm on a, uh, a visa uh, with a foundation. And so um, we find it's better access. Uh, now, we don't deceive people. I mean, we, I spent hours and hours setting up this foundation and creating it to meet needs, uh, but I don't traditionally go into a, a Muslim village and, and flip my missionary card <laughs> and say, here I am, I am B, because to them, a missionary is a whole different person. To them, coming from that background, it's the one sent out by the, gov- by the government who's there to forcefully change uh, their religion. And so they already have a preconceived notion of what a missionary or an M I was talking to Gus and said, I usually don't say the M word. And he's like, is that missionary? Is that Muslim? Is that, yeah, that's, that's the first. So anyway, but uh, it is a privilege uh, to represent the over 3,600 that you together and help uh, support as, as we just shared. So thank you so much uh, for that. Um, this morning, I had, had thought, especially after yesterday, I'm from, uh, graduated from Waukee and, and, uh, and then went on to Iowa State. I'd, I'd considered changing my sermon to uh, how, how God led the people out of the desert after 40 years uh, and how Iowa State fans have kindly, finally been delivered <laughs> after, after all these years and years of waiting for uh, a victory, a bowl victory. And, and so uh, thought about that, but thought, well, that's really not, that's contextual, but that's, you know, not so much. That's just let's 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 just uh, be thankful in uh, in the victory yesterday, uh, even as close as it was at one point. So uh, praise God for that. But praise God uh, for how He's at work and moving in the nations. Um, so anyway, just thankful <laughs> for all those things. And I'm, I apologize that my family isn't here to join me. Uh, of course, we had when we traveled from Bulgaria. We it took us about. 26 hours, and so the 22nd, we woke up at around 3 a.m. in the morning. We had a 7 o'clock flight, and so we woke up at about 3 a.m., which there's an eight-hour difference uh, between here and there, and so that was, you know, so 7 p.m. on the 21st, and we didn't arrive into Des Moines uh, International Airport till after 9, and so, uh, and so we had traveled literally for over a day, and so we were worn out, and I think the effects of that, as well as, you know, people passing around, uh, flu and stuff, I, we have sequentially had, among my five children, sickness run, and it 
run the gamut. And uh, so nice yesterday as I was holding my uh, younger two-year-old, he deposited his lunch in my lap. And so that was a, a warm fuzzy that I don't, <laughs> I don't want to pass on. And, um, and so anyway, they, they thought it best in my wife to stay at home uh, while, I, um, while I come and, and share with you this morning. So uh, I see, I looked this past month that you kind of been going through Luke and, and touching on some themes, the, the unhonored, the unsung, the unseen. And so uh, as I looked at that and was putting together what uh, I felt God wanted to share with us this morning, uh, that it would be practical if I talked about the unreached and kind of finished up, tied, tied it up, kind of kept with that un theme, but the unreached, because, because I work with an unreached people group. And so... Let me, uh, so let me pose two simple questions to you this morning. So the one is fairly simple uh, that you can think about. What is an unreached people group? And secondly, and, and most importantly, why should you care about them and their existence? So first, simple one that, that I'll talk about. It's more cut and dry. What is an unreached people group? Uh, may not talk about it a lot in the United States, um, you know, but what is an unreached people group? And then secondly, why should you care? Why should you care about their existence and the thousands of them that, that exist around the world? So first, let me give you uh, some missiological definitions uh, of what a people group is and then an unreached people group. And then uh, it shouldn't take long, the first part, but the second one uh, I'm going to flesh out some, and we're going to look in Scripture about why we should care about it. So, give you a missiological definition of what a people group is, according to the Lusane Conference. Lusane is a, is, a, is a city in Switzerland that, back in the 70s, many, uh, many people of faith, uh, Billy Graham, uh, evangelical leaders, came together to say, how can we take the gospel to the ends of the earth? How can we impact the world for Christ? And so they came together, uh, Harold Winters, some, some of these people have passed on, some like Billy Graham is still alive, but they came together and, and wanted to draw consensus about some of these terms and some of the strategies that they can, they can, uh, they can use to evangelize the world. So, uh, so the largest so a people group is the largest group within which the gospel can spread as a church planning movement without encountering barriers of understanding or acceptance, i.e., they share a similar language. Typically, they share a similar language, customs, uh, their habits of, of what they do as a people group. So I shared, you know, in Bulgaria, the Pomak people all speak Bulgarian, but yet the same people group, because of their unification with the, the Turkish peoples in in uh, Greece, speak Turkish and Bulgarian. So what unifies them, they still speak an older dialect of, of Bulgarian. But their customs, what they wear, how they celebrate holidays is similar. So that, that kind of defines, okay, that's a people group. And so then an, what is an unreached people group? So it's an ethnic people group that lacks or is without an indigenous, and I'll, I'll talk about these more, but some of these, some of these terms should ring a bell, especially... You know, Iowa, you know, we're in a more agricultural state, and so we're, we're familiar. Indigenous, self-propagating, 
Christian church or church planning movement, any ethnic or ethno-linguistic people without enough born-again Christians to evangelize the rest of the people is classified as an unreached people group. Typically, the bar, the percentage within a people group that are born again is 2%. And so that sounds very small, but if, if, a, if a people group exceed that 2%, so 2 out of 100 um, of born-again believers, they break out of the unreached people groups. And there are thousands and thousands around the world of unreached people groups, of which I have the challenge to head up our team, head up our, our group to reach, uh, to reach our unreached people groups in the Southern Balkans, uh, the Turks, and the Pomaks. So hopefully that kind of gives you what is an unreached people group. So our, <coughs> our uh, international, sending agency, international Sending Agency, time to drink as I fumble over words. My, our International Sending Agency, the IMB, the International Mission Board, uh, says this, has this as a vision statement. Uh, that we uh, partner with churches such as you to empower limitless missionary teams who are evangelizing, discipling, and planting and multiplying healthy churches and training leaders among unreached peoples and places for the glory of God. Okay, so let me, so that's the general, okay, we're working in all the, play, I said almost every country in the world, I have a colleague, you know, as Gus shared, he had one in Mozambique, you know, all throughout Sub-Saharan Africa, North Africa, Middle East, we're, we're split up into uh, eight, nine affinities, including the deaf, that are reaching, working with this vision statement, overarching vision statement, to bring the gospel to them. And so... Let me draw you down some quick facts about where I am and working among unreached peoples. Central Asia, I work with the diaspora, Central Asians, Turks, and Pomaks. Okay, there are 365 million people that represent, that are living in 52 countries. Now, I'll try to quickly go through these. I know these are facts, but hopefully it gives you context, lays a foundation, you know, for which then we can go to the next, why is it important? So... Central Asia, 365 million people in 52 countries. So I don't have a map, fortunately, but you kind of see the world. So everywhere from Russia to uh, Europe and as far south into, uh, into Lebanon. So in our specific, in, within Central Asia, within Central Asia, we are broken up into three clusters. The, the stands, kind of the Turkmenistan, Kazakhstan, okay, the stands region, former republics of the USSR, then the Persian peoples, mostly focused on Iran, and then we have the Turkic peoples, and I'm a part of the Turkic cluster, the peoples of Asia Minor, and so when I have a Skype call with my fellow leaders and, and team leaders, we have, we have a range, a geographic range that goes all the way down to Lebanon, that are working with Kurdish peoples all throughout Turkey and up into the diaspora, up into Europe. So I'm in the Southern Balkans. I have uh, fellow colleagues on my sub-team that are in Germany and in Rotterdam all throughout Western Europe and dealing, working. So that just kind of gives you a geographic picture. And so it, within that, 
uh, within the desk, everything, we are dealing with 394 people groups. So I gave you the definition, okay. 394 people groups, of which 98.7% are unreached. So 389, there are of that, let's just say five are reached. So it's not the biggest, you know, you think of, you know, okay, sub, you know, South Asia, you know, the billion East Asia, but as far as a percentage of lostness, uh, Central Asia is one of the, the, the most lost. The predominant religion is Islam, uh, the people groups we're dealing with. As far as lostness, 98.7, so almost every people group we encounter, actually in, in our cluster, in, in the Turk cluster of peoples of Asia Minor, every people group is unreached, every people group. And so we're not going into an area where we can come along, easily come alongside partners and churches that are reaching out to their communities. We're going into areas where there may be a group. So this is just giving you a context. And so of these, the largest countries by population are Iran at 78, 77 to 78 million, Turkey, 74 to 75 million, and then Afghanistan, 30 to 31 million. So we're dealing with large, a great story to share. Uh, my son, my middle son, uh, at the school he's at has a, a really good friend. So here we'll step from some facts to, to where it's at, a, a personal story. So we're, he's going to a British school because we moved to Sofia, the capital, so that I could oversee and easily cover my area. And so he has his best friend in second grade is a Persian, is, is Iranian. And so his father, Mohammed, and his mother, Layla, have become really good friends. They're, they're really close friends. And so uh, pre please pray for Muhammad. He just sent me uh, a Viber message wishing me, wishing me happy holidays. Uh, you know, he had a Santa Claus. <laughs> and so, yeah, Santa Claus has made its way to, you know, uh, Southern Europe, you know. But uh, he wishes me happy holidays. So pray because before we came back, uh, I was able to sit in Muhammad and, and Layla's uh, living room. And as, as my son Andrew and Irman, his son, played together and, and did things at the end of the school year, I was able to share uh, a Persian New Testament, a Farsi New Testament, and was able just to share what it means to me and why it's important and, and listen to him and hear a little bit about his history uh, because, uh, you know, I want to show interest just not in just, you know, okay, here you go, okay, I got to stay exit stage left. I want to know that that we love him. We gave him other things, of course. We gave the son something. We just didn't give him a Bible. But, but I wanted to spend time, you know, why this book is so important and how it can really have an impact on his life. So please be praying for Muhammad and Layla as they spend time. I also, earlier even in the year, I came across a, um, a translation of Luke in Farsi. And so also gave that to him earlier. So he has got the good news. He's got the word in his house. So be praying for them, uh, Muhammad and Layla, as, as uh, we're not there, but the, that other people uh, he would come in contact with in Bulgaria and in his travels. So anyway, um, okay. So now we have kind of laid a foundation of what a people group is. Let me, let me move on to the bigger question of why you and I should care about those unreached peoples and their existence throughout the world. Why should we care? And this is when we, we move uh, to, to the Word of God. 
A simple answer, of course, is because God cares and sent his son to die for them. That's a simple answer. You know, every time you ask your children, you know, a Bible question, my children say Jesus, you know, even if it's like a question about, you know, the Red Sea, uh, Jesus. No, 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 no. No, Red Sea, let's, you know, it's Moses, you know, but, you know, that's the Sunday school answer, no. But, uh, but let's, open, let's open our Bibles and look at some key texts and passages of why, of why we should care about the unreached people, the thousands, millions, and billions of people around the world. So let's start uh, just, to, just to get a, a great context in John uh, chapter 3. And just, just this is all building the case, again, why we should care. Probably the most famous verse in the Bible, but it's the verse after John 3.16 that the word says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. You know, so many people know 3.16, but they can they quote 3.17? But that's really such a key verse because this explains that the world might be saved through Christ and that we need to send... As, as I go to villages and towns, uh, I'm never going to try to get into an argument with a Muslim, but I want to pose questions and start to get him thinking about, you know, what a relationship, how a relationship with Jesus Christ is different than knowing Christ as a prophet and then placing Muhammad in, in front. So never going to win an argument, and I'm never going to argue someone into, into heaven, but I want to place in their mind, start to start to get them thinking, okay, so, so why did God come down to earth? And, and we don't have to, you don't have to pray religiously five times a day, you know. And so it's not what you're trying to do, make sacrifices, observe the, the holidays, the, the feast, Ramadan, but, but understand that God came down and gave his life for you through Jesus Christ. So I want to start to get them thinking and then allow the Holy Spirit to really work in their life, come back visiting, encouraging them, allow the Holy Spirit to start convicting them of the sin in their life and that the sin they can't just, okay, pay, pay that off or, or do something that'll, that'll you, know, on, you know, take care of that, but that the sin is real and that sin had a consequence. And that's why God sent Jesus Christ. So... Uh, Christ then called his disciples and all those that would follow after him to do what? To carry out his commands. So we're going to go to some very familiar verses in Matthew, but then also hit Mark, Luke, Acts, and uh, really see that this is a unifying theme, especially as Christ, you know, his last words. So let's go Matthew 28, most commonly known as the Great Commission. And then I'll share a story after I read Matthew 28, 18, 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. A couple, uh, uh, last month, actually, December, 
November, I was going to a village and happened to encounter two, uh, a mother and a daughter had come to faith in Christ. It was wonderful. Muslim background, Vietnam, Muslim background. And uh, their, uh, her son, the daughter's son was getting ready to leave and go to uh, northern Europe to work on boats. His name was Victor. And so Victor had the opportunity to sit down with Victor and share, okay, as you go out, do you see a difference in your mother and, and sister? Do you see a difference? And do you, see, do you see the impact that the Lord has had on their life? And he says, yeah. He's a young man. He's in his early 20s. And, and that day, God saved him. God convicted him that, that he's a sinner in need of a Savior. And he said, you know, I, I, you know we share with him you know, truths that he just really never thought about. Here he is getting ready to leave everything he's ever known, the small town, and go out into another part of Europe, which is very common, unfortunately, in Bulgaria. Bulgaria still remains the poorest EU country in Europe. And so it is having a huge exodus of, of young talent and young potential leave the country and go to, go to other parts of Europe, go to the UK, go to Spain, France, Germany. It's a big thing. So anyway, here's this young man getting ready to leave. And so, so many see that, uh, can see that as, okay, here's a young man, a lot of potential, but he's leaving, comes to faith, what a potential. But I see it as a chance to ingrain and instill in him a commission that, okay, now where you're going, we're going to stay in contact. I stay right to him almost daily on Facebook Messenger. I'm not a big Facebook person, but that's the only thing he gets is Facebook. And so way to instill in him and try to disciple him because he's going to a context. It's all new context, all new. He's going to be around people that aren't believers, followers. Uh, but it's been a great opportunity to, to not to really commission him, send him out and say, okay, you know, you have something now inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit. Now go have an impact where you're going. And so I want to stay in touch with you and encourage you. He first started in northern Germany or near Bremen and then has since been moved to the uh, Dutch the Netherlands. But Victor continues, I pray, to grow in truth. I gave him, I drove him to the airport actually the day that he left. I drove him four hours from his village in the mountains to the airport and spent a lot of time just trying to encourage him in his new faith try to give him some first steps, give him a, a Bible in Bulgarian, gave him some uh, literature that he could kind of go back to. And so pray for Victor as I pray for Victor. Pray for the time that I can encourage, be an encouragement to him. Pray that he would find a, a body of believers. Uh, he didn't know any German or Dutch, and so he really just knew Bulgarian, so that was going to kind of connect him even with the people that he could, could uh, to hang out with. But pray that, that, that he would find by God's grace, uh, a Bulgarian background, there would be a church, a Bulgarian background, believers there that could come around him, that could encourage him in his new faith. And so this is, I just say that, a great commission is that we need to be instilling these, uh, these principles. We need to be encouraging, coming alongside. And that if someone moves, you know, if you come along someone and, and they're about to move out of Grimes, or they're about to move away from this area, that... That, you know, yeah, it's sad in one sense that you can't be on a continual walk alongside them. But pray for the place that they wind up. That if it's a place that there are few believers, much like Victor, that they can have an impact where they're going. And so that's what we have tried to turn as I talk and come alongside uh, some leaders, some national partners, 
that yeah, okay, we're losing you know, a great amount of potential, you know, leadership, people that are leaving. But let's not just, you know, let's, let's pray for them. Let's, let's do what we can to encourage. And as they go, say, okay, you're stepping into a mission field where you're going. Okay, you're leaving your village or town, but you're going someplace where you can have an impact for the gospel where you're at. The next uh, similar is uh, Great Commission is in Mark chapter 16. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, but I want you to see a similar theme. Uh, Mark chapter 16, uh, do verses 14 15. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had sent him, those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Okay, we need to continue these commands, preaching the gospel. Chapter, uh, we'll go to Luke uh, chapter 24, just next door. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses, so he's summarizing everything in the book. It's not 66 independence books, 66 independent books. It's one story, one book. So Jesus says, about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead, the, uh, uh, rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So this is why we need to take it not just to places here in Iowa that are maybe lesser reached, but we need to be concerned about places, the bigger cities in the United States and the cities of places around the world, like Bangkok, Thailand, like Kuala Lumpur, like places uh, in northern Africa, like places in Asia. This is why we have a burden to do it, because Christ, his last words were go, proclaim, be his witnesses. And continue, Luke continues this theme over in Acts, familiar, the verse, the first chapter of Acts, uh, picking up chapter, uh, verse 4, gathering them together, he commanded them, here are similar themes, commanded, teach, taught, commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses 
both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth, even to the ends of the earth. Amen. So why, peoples? Two more verses. Revelation chapter 5. This is a great one that specifically says why we should be prepared. Because in the end, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, when he had taken the book, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain, Jesus, you were slain, and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. That's why we need to have a burden, because he died for all. And we need to take the message so that they would know. There's little to no access in some of, a lot of these countries, especially Central Asia, where Islam is so strong and holds such a strong hold on the people. But we need to be bold and we need to go and proclaim. And finally, let's go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 21. John chapter 20, verses 21. And so, so Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So this is my challenge to you, Crossroads. As the Father has sent Christ, so he is sending us out into a lost world. And so what does that mean for you? Does that mean crossing the street? to your neighbor who maybe doesn't go to church? Is, this, is, that, uh, is that crossing uh, across at your place of work and starting to share with a coworker about your experiences at Crossroads or your experiences, how you've been growing in the knowledge and truth of God through his word? Is that as simple as just saying, how can I pray for you? How was your Christmas? How can I pray for you? Just starting simple conversations that people that you come in contact with on a daily basis can start them thinking towards, you know, what, where am I going to spend an eternity? And where am I at now? Or even greater, is that saying, okay, I hear about something going on in Chicago, you know, where there's these neighborhoods in Chicago where there's few to little churches or in parts of the Northeast or parts, or even, okay, let's go one step further going to even more remote places in the world and saying, where can I have an impact where there's little to no church, little to no people that have access to the gospel in Mumbai, India. And so I've been fortunate enough to bring some literature with me, and it's in the back, but I pray at the end if you want to stop by or go to our website, imb.org, and just go and just inquire, okay, you know, at this time, is God doing something in my life to have an impact. Is he speaking to me in such a way that's saying, it's time for me to start thinking outside of my box, so to speak, outside of my community? You know, this is a place for me to start, as we saw in Acts 1. Okay, he wants me to start here and have an impact for him, but 
how can I start expanding that vision beyond just here? How can I, at the minimum, just start praying, go online, Joshua Project, and saying, okay, every day, where are these people, and how can I be start praying for them? And then as we shared, you know, how can I give, you know, maybe something little to the Lottie Moon or give something little to Wycliffe? I mean, we don't, you know, we, we partner, you know, when, when you're dealing in a place, you know, in some places in the world, like myself, you know, I, I partner with other organizations, agencies that may have talents and gifts. So, so you know, we, of course, you know, I'm here, you know, because I'm a recipient and, and want to give thanks. But we partner with organizations that have strengths in other fields, the Jesus Film, Campus Crusade, and we work together. So, I mean, when you're talking about going from no believers to one believer, you're looking just anybody to partner with that has a heart for Christ and reaching people. And so how can, you know, I, I start giving in maybe little ways, $5, 10 ways. And so where, where you know, your, your heart, you know, where your wallet goes, sometimes your heart will follow, and you'll start taking a little bit more interest. And finally, pray about going, praying about going on a trip, maybe that Gus puts together, or, or working out with something else, and seeing where God would lead you. You know, that you want to go with an impact, to have an impact on, on these people, but you'll be amazed that the impact that God will do in your own heart as you show up to minister and be the hands and feet of Christ and be and proclaim his goodness and mercies and salvation, that how God's starting to change your heart, you know, for the peoples of the world. So let me pray and let me just start the conversation with God as you sit in your seat about, God, how would you use me today? How would you use me in this next year as, as we're so close the beginning of a new year. How would you use me to have an impact for your kingdom this next year? So let's close our eyes and and uh, have a moment with the Lord. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, come to you this morning, just um, works of clay that, that, that we pray you use and mold and shape into your image, but use not for our own good, not for our own wants or needs, but use for your wants, use for your purposes to proclaim your salvation to those who have little to no access. These unreached people groups, these thousands and millions and billions of people that exist all over the world. Lord, I, I pray for, for these people that are sitting in these aisles that came this morning to hear from your word. Lord, let your word go out in power. And your Holy Spirit convict us that we can do greater things for your kingdom. Even if that's simply committing and dedicating to, to pray for a people that li live and exist halfway around the world. We can pray and do that and pray for you to raise up laborers for the harvest. I thank you for Crossroads that they have a heart for the Great Commission. They, they gave a Sunday for me to speak and share someone that's come from Bulgaria and seen you work in a mighty way and that you continue to work. Lord, I pray that, that this work will continue and live out in Grimes, that they would have a, a witness, be a witness for your gospel here in Grimes and Des Moines and Central Iowa, that people would see you through the people here at Crossroads that they would glorify you for that. I thank you for this time. 
be blessed by the sharing of your word and the receiving of it. May you be glorified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.